Welcome to a special episode of Business Acumen. Joe Mann's hosting today with a special guest, John Cosmides from Perfect Power Wash. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. Your resume includes a bachelor's degree in visual communication. Let's start there. Sure. What is visual communication? Yeah, I mean, you boil it down, it's the ability to communicate visually, whether that's leading the viewer or, you know, recipient of a piece of artwork in the mail through the piece visually, communicating a message with words, um, you know, trying to push intent through an offer, good design, high-level creative. It's a myriad of those things. I think it's interesting because they say you have to have uh, you have to have something good to say. Yes. You have to say it well, and you have to say it often. Yes. So the visual communication piece sounds like saying it well. Yeah. In a way that maybe captures the audience to say, "Hey, that really does solve my problem." For sure. That meets my need. And that's really what got me uh, kicking in the marketing advertising world was the creative side, right? So that part of my brain, I don't want to say was really good, but I felt like I was doing a great job at you know, communicating visually, designing things I liked, early days of web design, and I'm sure you can reminisce 20 years ago about what horrors we all went through <laughs> in those worlds, right? Um, but that was, that was a really neat time to, to, to be in the, uh, the design world. And then really over the last 10 years, I've done as much as I can to um, improve the analytical side of my brain. The, hey, guy, stop making stuff to hang on your fridge and start making stuff that actually drives an action or changes a consumer's behavior or drives a business result, that's been uh, really satisfying to do. I didn't even realize we have so much in common, especially <laughs> in that area. Uh, I think that if you think back 20, when you said, think back 20 years yeah. and think about web design, that really did trigger a memory <laughs> in my mind back when uh, websites really were still kind of optional. Yeah, do you remember absolutely. that? Absolutely. You remember when it was a time where it actually came from? Hey, it's nice to have a website. The rich people have them. The big brands have websites. And then folks like trying to convince you not to have a website because that's just a passing it's just, fad. It's just a fad. It's, no one needs it's not that. Going no one's going to buy anything online, said Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Never, right? Right, right. Yeah. Well, you made an interesting comment to me uh, just now, which uh, when you think about where it was and as web became essential back then, yeah. it was really creative driven. Yes. And then it's, it, it became necessary to be um, a truly communication piece, right? Mm -hmm. a, a marketing piece, if you will. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the way, I'll just pick this niche, but you look at how uh, Adobe and Macromedia developed their software and how everybody back in the late 90s, early 2000s was wrapped around the axle about flash and shockwave. This gigantic heavy media but no you have to have your site designed that way because those motion graphics and the 96 animated buttons are really gonna make somebody <laughs> you know purchase your product whatever that product was when the fact of the matter is no man speed convenience relevance being there at what Google would call that micro moment right that's what it's really about to drive that purchase not so much about the flash and the, and the pomp and circumstance what's interesting about that foundation is it hasn't really changed. Right. 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 Uh, when we were first into the uh, the web consulting phase, when we were convincing especially the small brands that uh, what the value was of a web presence, sure. it was more of, uh, hey, it can look good, and it has to, but it has to be an effective communication tool. Yeah, looking good is table stakes today. Exactly. Table stakes today. Exactly. And back in the day, it wasn't so much table stakes with the 
GeoCities and the, you know, the MySpace back in the in the early 2000s. I mean, right. it didn't look good, and that was part of the that was part of the allure, I think, for some people. So if we think about the evolution of that, yeah. So first, it started with you have to have a web presence, um, and then, and this is actually how I got started in the business. It was. Uh, Nobody wanted to pay a young guy who's fresh in the industry for his expertise. Right. Now, I'm convinced you only have to know 10% more than the person you're consulting in order to be an expert. <laughs> okay. And I stand I'm, by that. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> you by can the have way. it, man. That's one of my That's favorite excellent. things. That's because excellent. it's a fact. All I, what, what that says is I just need to bring value. Sure. I just, if I can bring value to this relationship and if I have 10% more knowledge about a particular topic, doesn't mean I'm smarter than you. I just know a few things that you might not know. If I can share that with you and bring value into that consulting. And, and my point was, nobody wanted to pay for that consult. Yeah. Um, but what they did want is something tangible. And what I knew at that time was that websites needed to be an effective communication tool. For sure. And then what? Well, the then what is, you know how to drive traffic to your business, but do you know how to drive traffic to your website? Right. And so that started the whole online advertising movement yep. um, for my career. So when did understanding websites convert to driving traffic to those websites in your experience, in your career? Wow. Yeah, I think that was, you know, right when I started at DRB Systems, gosh, that would have been 2007. We were really, you know, it was a, it was a B2B company, right? So right. equipment, software provider, distributing and helping out car wash owners, right? Pure B2B market. Um, keywords in that industry were 30, 40, and 50 bucks. That's a scary, you know, per conversion. Wow. That's a scary number seven years ago, even more so today, right? And what we found was, gosh, you gotta be there. You gotta be, you gotta be the top. The running joke um, with, my, with my former boss uh, was that our DRB acronym was competing with dark roasted blend coffee, DRB coffee. Right. And we would fight those folks all the time for the organic and the paid number one when folks typed in DRB. It was just, that's who we competed against, was dark roasted blend coffee. Right. It was funny. So in the, in the world of paid search, yeah. um, display advertising, we know, plays a big role into that. Sure. Uh, we've seen probably the past two years people say display's old. It's kind of gone to the wayside. Um, so what happened at JMC Brands is we recognized that that was the buzz in the industry. We said, well, if that's the case, how can we have four or 500 campaigns, display ad campaigns, sure. that are running successfully at any given day? And we conducted a primary research study with Seymour, uh, which is a local research firm. And one of the things that we pulled out of that study was that 70% of folks who see a display ad will open a new browser window or a new tab yep. and search for that brand before they'll actually click on the banner ad. So what that told us is that paid search is so critical when running a display ad campaign because sure. they really do work hand in hand. With Perfect Power Wash, have you seen any of that happening in your industry at all? The view through conversions, which you're talking about, are inherently difficult to track and even more so, more difficult to get out of the consumer. Hey, how'd you hear about us? Well, what are they gonna say? Oh, I saw you online. Cool, that means 300 things, right? <laughs> right. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. If you're going to do paid search, you need to do all of it, and you need to make a concerted effort to make sure that you're maximizing 
um, your conversion value, right? You don't want to be overspending. You can track a lot, but frankly, in, in my opinion, the ability to track um, those types of conversions just aren't there yet. I, don't, I just don't think it's there yet. Like how are all things contributing to the ultimate Absolutely. conversion? Absolutely. Wouldn't that be great if we knew the answer to that question? It would be. I mean, we can obviously get some high-level numbers, but the super granular stuff like per campaign, per conver conversion, I just don't see that there yet. It's almost as if sometimes so much data drives us to want more data. <laughs> yes, it does. When there's already more data than we can handle. Well said. Well said. <laughs> With today's ever-evolving digital world, what are some of the most outstanding digital tactics or the things that stand out the most to you, whether it's a trend or just something that's really working well for you? Yeah, I think big picture, um, what has really surprised me in the last, and it shouldn't have surprised me because every blog and email blast I get tells me it's happening, but just the explosion of mobile and mobile commerce. I don't know that retailers were ready. Um, I don't know that the industry was ready. I think Google was playing a little bit of catch up to consumers um, and trying to make sure that those mobile ads and stuff were optimized. I think that uh, agencies and folks gaming the ad system to try to get their results higher on mobile. But uh, yeah, I mean, five years ago I would have never thought I would buy a product on a mobile phone. Right. And here I am last Black Friday putting my credit card into Best Buy's website to get a 70-inch 4K television delivered to my house and I stopped and thought I just spent $800 on my cell phone today. Is that going to really be a thing? I guess it is a thing. It's already a thing. Yeah. And you it's, did it. It's, and it's, the, it's the, probably the fastest growing channel in e-commerce today is the mobile vertical. Would you say that that's probably because they've made it so easy to do that? The convenience? Um, yeah. Look, I think from a user interface and a time perspective, I think that's that easy is, is there. But what I truly think is, and we were talking about this before we walked in here, it's that time. Yeah. I don't want to, what's well, going to make me sound super lazy, get up from my recliner, go to wherever my computer is in my home, or pull out the laptop and turn it on. We got these, these stinking devices that are more powerful than computers were five years ago right. that are probably 4K anyways that I can just... That all my stuff is stored anyways, I'm just going to buy it right there and right now. So it's, it's that convenience. It's that ease factor. I can just sit in my underwear on my recliner and buy the thing. That's awesome. Whatever the thing is. Yeah, I, I know this for a fact because that is part of the conversation we were having. Um, it really does matter what your lifestyle is, who, who your target audience is. Sure. Well, the things that I value may be different so, than something my 15-year-old values. Yeah. So, uh, target audience means everything, and that's why for me, in a, a busy kind of lifestyle, I've always got somewhere to be and something to do. I can literally get on my phone and order it and have it delivered to my house quicker than I can get to the store to get it myself. Yes. And that is huge. Yeah. Because they're making it just so easy. And um, we were just up at Boston for the inbound conference, and one of the, the huge topics they were discussing is reducing friction from the purchase process. Yep. Why do you make it so hard? For me to give you my money. Best Buy made it easy, didn't they? <laughs> made it ridiculously. Take a picture of your credit card. Take a, Because it's so hard to type in those 16 digits. Of course. It's so hard to type in those 16 digits. Snap a picture. Unbelievable. I mean, that was it. Unbelievable. It was, it was just, it was a great experience. And I, thinking of it as a marketer and thinking back to it, I'm just like, yeah, they made it ridiculously simple for me to shell out the eight, 900 bucks for that TV. And oh, by the way, it was there in three days, which was still the Black Friday weekend, so win-win for me. All right, so we've talked about paid advertising, we've talked about display advertising and paid search. 
Uh, my next question for you is about the social world. So as we move into 2019, we've seen so many social platforms rise. Some of them fall. Some of them have been sustaining, like Facebook, uh, merging with Instagram, and Snapchat's been sticking around. My question would be, as we move into 2019, do you feel like the social media world is saturated? Do we need to reduce some of what's there? Is there room for more? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the social, the big picture social media question is, is loaded. Um, I mean, from recent government inquiry to, you know, Facebook touting what now, 2 billion monthly active users. I mean, those are, that's a big boy number right there. It's huge. Um, you've got the up and comers like the Snapchats of the world, um, Twitter, who is still hanging on and trying to increase their daily active count. It's, it's an interesting world. I, I wonder what's going to happen in 10 years when the younger generation that didn't create a Facebook account starts getting into commerce online. I wonder what those channels are going to mature into because I don't know that Snapchat, while they're, I'm sure they have great numbers that they give to their investors on their earnings calls, I don't know that they actually have a product that will help me sell a product to that generation. Right. Now, maybe if I'm selling... Uh, sparkly sneakers or whatever it is younger kids are buying today because frankly I don't know uh, maybe that's a channel for them I don't know that snapchat actually folks like snapchat that are in that younger demo actually have a viable model for advertisers what I will say um, is today you see a lot of mergers and acquisitions happening at a high level in business I think you're seeing social do that as well yes I think if Twitter is smart, they'll start to acquire more companies. I think if Facebook is smart, which I think they are, they're going to start to acquire even more companies and just become this big behemoth. But I think they need to be careful uh, because they might be uh, at some point deemed a public utility and then right. all bets are off for that company. Right. Um, Facebook, you know, these, these social media platforms are an interesting game. I, I don't know that they work for the perfect power washes of the world. I think the eyeballs are there. I don't know if the eyeballs in my age group really care to read about power washing and <laughs> why, you know, why power washing is great for them while they're on social media. I think they like cat pictures and pictures of grandkids. I think if I was selling sunglasses or cool socks or shoes, that's a great avenue for, for folks to, you know, to try to attract buyers at our age. I just don't know that the service industry has figured out how to crack the social media uh, shell right now. I think you're probably right about that. There's just so much... Uh, there's so much opportunity there. There is. But there's also so much that's already been done and proven to not work, too. For sure. So, uh, One of the things that you were talking about earlier is uh, your experience in the B2B space. Mm -hmm. How do you see social? Does social play into the B2B? Because Perfect Power Wash, not only do you have uh, residential customers, but you also service commercial clients. Do you use the social media space to... Uh, to in your marketing mix for your commercial clients, um, we we do, uh, and it's mostly just to, and I think this is a typical use, um, extol the virtues of projects that we've completed. Now, if I'm a Salesforce or a Marketo, I, I in a, or a true B two B company, and that's my only uh, business, I think social is great for remarketing and brand awareness. Mm -hmm. I think that pushing out white papers based on pages viewed and intent. Our form fills. I think that's an ex excellent way um, for social to be used in a B2B channel. But again, I don't know that any service business has has really cracked the code for social. And if there's one, I can't find them. And if you're out there, find me and let me know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're talking about uh, analytics and all the data that's available out there, 
I got to know uh, what level of analytics does Perfect Power Wash use when you're putting things together. Some people say, I want to know everything I can possibly know and bring it all into my dashboard and let me see everything that there is. Some people say, here are the five key pieces of data that yeah. I need to know if I'm stranded on an island. This tells me that we have a good finger on the pulse. Right. So where do you fit into that spectrum? Look, I, I feel really strongly about this. Outside of the Coca-Colas and McDonald's of the world, I don't know that anyone truly has the American consumer figured out. <laughs> and I think for as many people as you ask that question to, you're going to get just as many answers. Here's what, I, here's what I'll say about that. Um, what's the goal? Am I looking to gauge the performance of a page? Am I looking to gauge the performance of a display campaign or an offer? There are different metrics I'm going to look at for different things. And frankly, I think and you'll probably admit to this as well, there's ad fraud out there. There are bot clicks out there. It's sometimes not evident what you're looking at is the truth or not, right. which is very difficult um, to kind of swallow as a digital marketer who's putting money into an ad platform. Um, there's ways to prevent that, but at the end of the day, you have to take those numbers with a grain of salt. You have to say, you know, I had a real quick, when I was at DRV Systems, a, a car wash owner locally who really wanted to get a bump in his brand. And he said to uh, our, the marketing department at DRV, he said, what are some of my options? I'm in a, you know, not a crazily populated area here. What can I do to help increase my brand visibility? And the consensus from the group came back and said, well, why don't you buy some billboards around your car wash? You know, that makes sense. You're driving around. Uh, hey, car wash, half mile ahead, turn left at the sign. And we went ahead and bought those for him because we wanted to see what his, his revenue lift would be. Well, after a month of the billboards being up, we drove up with my boss and we said, hey, how are the billboards doing? And the guy said, they're terrible. No one's mentioned the billboard at all. We were kind of taken aback. We said, oh, that's no good. Well, how's business been? Best month we've ever had. <laughs> it's tough sometimes for folks to put two and two together like that, but I think of, you know, the, those channels in, in a very similar way. You have to look at the whole picture. Right. We can get so wrapped around the axle about the page conversion rate, how many form fills versus how many users, uh, uh, how many impressions did my display campaign get this month. Um, sometimes you need to, those numbers are great, you need to take a step back and say, what's the health of my business right now? Am I actually achieving my business goals? Because I'm just looking at one, one avenue here. Let's take, let's take a step back and look at the whole, the whole picture. And so. isn't that the, the, it ties back to a conversation that we were having about display ads. They're doing terrible. Search right. is doing well. Right. Well, search is doing well because 70% of the people <laughs> who wanted to take action with right. your display ads sure. opened a new window, searched, and clicked on your paid search ad. Absolutely. And so we do have to take that step back. It's a great reminder. I'm a huge proponent of the integrative marketing campaign. Yep. That campaign's objectives. How is the campaign as a whole performing according to the objectives for the campaign as a whole? Absolutely. Not specifically how is uh, one tactic working or appear to be working if we're putting it in a silo. Yep. And that's why I think it's really important to take a look at uh, you know, people often ask us about the, the what, what should be my mix between digital and traditional? You're my digital spend versus my traditional spend. And I say it really depends on your target audience and what your objectives are. Absolutely. Right? Because um, if you are reaching an online audience and that's where they are, then it should be heavier in that way. 
but digital should not replace your traditional tactics. You should have an integrated campaign Yeah, that works together. If I'm selling a jitterbug phone, I'm going to take out ads in the newspaper and some magazines that has a long shelf life. If I'm selling, uh, you know, marketing something to kids like a little selfie stick, that should probably be all digital. I don't know that I'm going to take out any, right. any ads. So you're, you're, you're dead on. Your audience should determine your mix, not the other way around. Okay, so I got to ask you one last question here. Um, you caught the bug. Yeah. You're doing the marketing thing. Yeah. I've got the bug for sure. Yeah. I've been living that dream. What would you say, one piece of advice you give to young up-and-comers, somebody who's maybe got the bug or, or is catching the bug right now, what would you tell them? Yeah, I'd tell them a couple things. Uh, first is, man, fail. Just screw up a lot, right? I have learned more from the things I have failed and screwed up at than I have with success. And something I've said to a lot of peers of mine is, you can always pinpoint a reason why you failed. You can always point to, yep, screwed that up. But when you do something right, it's just this cacophony of correct decisions that sometimes can't be replicated. Right. And you don't know what nuance change happens from success to failure. Failure, you can almost always pinpoint what happened there. Um, the other thing I would say is, and this is a, a, a problem I have, is that knowledge is not wisdom, right? You learn something new and Ultimately, you want to go, or instantly you want to go, oh my gosh, i got to do this thing, I'm going to be great at it, right? And then you realize you don't know what the heck you're doing. So always take a minute, take a step back, um, and learn, 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 and try not to, you know, pump a bunch of money or time or effort into that new thing you learned that thinks going to be great. That's great advice. I think everybody could, uh, I can learn from that too. Yeah. We've all made those mistakes, and that's a great way to, great way to grow. Sure. Right? So, uh, perfect power wash doing great things. Um, I've, I've got to tell you this, and, and I hadn't mentioned it yet, but uh, as I was doing my research on Perfect Power Wash, I was checking out your reviews. And you got like a 4.8 on Google. Uh, you've got like a 4.6 on Facebook reviews. Yeah. That has to come from superior customer service. I imagine you invest a lot in the customer service. Look, no. No? No. We have... 35 folks in our call center who field inbound and outbound calls all day long from folks around the area looking to get stuff clean around their home. I have a team of 60 in-field service technicians that go out in 30 service vehicles to perform services that that other team sells. My customer service team is made of two people. And that's because the folks on the phone set the right expectation. The folks out in the field deliver a great product. We're all human beings. We make mistakes, but those mistakes are fielded by two individuals who oftentimes aren't the busiest people in the building, and I think that speaks to just the quality of work. So when I think of customer service, I think of error resolution. We don't have a ton of that. Again, <laughs> if you read our reviews, you're going to find a problem or two. We absolutely own up to those like any other business, but look, at the end of the day, uh, we invest in training, uh, leadership, um, processes and, and auditing processes to make sure that every facet of our business is, uh, you know, take it from good to great, make sure it's as, as good as it can be. That's awesome. And that's a great model to follow, Yeah, for sure. So if people want to learn more about Perfect Power Wash, uh, the services you offer and what things you can do for them, yeah. how can they get a hold of you? PerfectPowerWash.com has literally everything you need. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, John, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for really having me. Really great conversation today. Thank you for tuning in to Business Acumen. To learn more, follow us online at summitup.biz. If you found value in this podcast, please leave us a review. See you next time.